Oh, did you guys catch that rooster? <laughs> Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is, what is the date? March 31st. I am in San Cristobal de las Casas in Mexico with roosters. And um, in here, uh, in the backyard of our Airbnb, we've got this amazing backyard. It's in my Instagram feed. I think my Instagram is Happy Little Dent. I've got so much going on in my head. <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly what I want to talk about. But the first thing I just want to say is that um, I had a really cool conversation with Sam this morning. Sam's one of our uh, designers on the team and on the Brain Buffet team. And he's really, um, man, he's really skilled. He's an amazing designer and he's really getting excited about this gamification stuff. And I'm so excited because he's, man, he's a really good, he's really good for the team. And, um, we started talking about gamification and I just started thinking about like, how it happened, like what happened in my classroom? What happened in my youth ministry? What made it a success? Because, you know, for a long time, I don't know why, but I couldn't see my own successes. So freaking weird. It's like the only voice in my head the whole time is this shitty critical voice who just says it's not good enough. And honestly, for most of my life, I loved that part of myself because it made me work so freaking hard to try and please everybody that I learned a lot. <clears throat> and also when I felt like something was shitty, I was like, oh, this is a crappy job, so I don't want anyone else to do it. Plus, I want to know how it works so I can make sure I, you know, if I was going to hand it off, I knew what kind of person to hand it off to. I would end up just doing the whole project myself. And that, you know, it slows you down when you're trying to do everything. It helps you understand everything, and but everything's kind of shitty. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> everything I did was kind of shitty but kind of awesome too. And I think that it's this whole understanding of paradox that I want to talk about today. Because I think that's basically my root belief. First, I want to smell these flowers. Hold on. Oh my word. Oh my word. These... <laughs> These flowers in the garden where I'm staying smell incredible. Oh man, when this vine, there's only a couple flowers, and but this whole wall is covered with this plant. I can imagine when this thing is in full bloom, it's just incredible. Wow. Um, okay, so where was I? Um, there's something about paradox. And 
a unity that contains a lot of contradictions. It seems to be the answer. <clears throat> and I, I'm just trying to think of how to take like really complex thoughts and make them simple. But that's sort of the problem is that we've taken a lot of super, super complex thoughts, things that take, like for example, let's say for example, you were gonna do some industry certification. Okay, maybe with creative software, right? Let's use that as an example. And what you wanna do is you wanna create a, you know, a curriculum. You wanna create a training package that got people to be successful with the software. So these are like the technical thinking skills in the real world that are tangible, easily scorable. It's yes, right, or wrong. You know, this is the right size to go to print or it's not. This is the right aspect ratio for film or it's not. There's all that kind of stuff, okay? Then there's also this weird freaking creative thing because you can know how to do, push all the buttons, how to turn all the knobs, how to make everything perfect according to standards. And if you do, what you will create is the world's most average thing. When you create perfectly to standards, you create by definition the world's most average thing. And if you want to create something extraordinary, you will, by definition, create a product that won't work for everybody. And the problem with products and the problem with this stupid thing we have of growth over growth over growth, more market share, more market share, is we're trying to say there's somebody that can develop the perfect thing for everybody. And I just don't think that there is. Or if there is, it needs to be so big and complex that it's going to get out of hand like it's out of hand now. Like, look at politics. This is everything getting out of hand because we expect everything to be so exaggeratedly perfect according to our preferences, but we don't recognize that there are people that have different preferences so it won't work for them. There are also jobs, tasks that are way different than yours, even the opposite of yours that require, in, for that reason, opposite tools, opposite strategies. So the one-size-fits-all problem is the problem and what it always will result in is mediocrity the lowest common denominator because if it works for everybody that means it has to work with the dumbest most unskilled most unenlightened most lazy most angry belligerent human and if it works for them it obviously can't be the same thing that takes somebody from being in the top 10% of the world to being in the top one-tenth of 1% 1 in the world. And what are we trying to do? Whatever freaking task we're trying to create, if it's something we're creating for people on the outside, we have to be super clear about what we're trying to do. So let's go back to our example here of industry certification for schools. <clears throat> if
if let's say that a test was created for like a creative space, if everybody did agree on that test, then the creative part would be gone, right? So there's a part that's the test that has to be there, but then there's this other part that has to be, you should not be able to fit in this rubric. Like you should, here's a list of rules, you should break them all. That's creativity. Or sometimes what it is, is here's a, here's a list of requirements, balance them your own way. Here's 10 things you have to consider balance them your own way. That's where creativity comes in. And this kid over here is going to focus on the message. And that kid over there is going to focus on the image. And this kid over there is going to focus on the product. And that kid's going to focus on the... All of those are right answers. Because depending on who the client is in the real world, the quote right answer is going to change. And we can, as an educator... Okay, so here's something I used to do when I was a teacher in the classroom. I would create these scenarios. So I'd make a story. And in the story, I would try to throw some hints about the person's personality. So like, for example, there was one, I just remember always using this illustration. And I must have had a story, a real story or an image at one point of this client who they wanted a, a picture of their dog. This crappy cartoon that like their grandson drew or something. That's their company logo, and they didn't want to change it. Yeah, it was an Illustrator project. She was talking about logos. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, so here's their logo, and the, the client comes in, and they here's the logo, and they're looking for a redesign. They want to modernize it and all, but they just want to be real clear that their their logo is their their dog, and their wife just loves their dog. And, you know, the boss is saying that he makes the final decisions on the logo, but then the last couple times after he went home and thought about it over the weekend he came back and said he really didn't like it after talking about it with his wife okay so that's a super small little hint that whole little scenario okay but that would be in my scenario so then we would do oh and it's also they their product and their tagline for their product was something about tradition i just had i can't remember something about tradition or history now those two little hints to a lot of people they'd be just like oh, okay so and they just start thinking designer wise from their mindset but here's what a really good really good designer will do is they'll go okay so here's the goal is not to make the best logo in the world the goal is to make the best logo for this client. And this client seems to really have a lot of value placed on. He makes decisions, but then if he goes home and talks about it with his family and stuff, because it is a family business, he comes back and the things change. Okay, so he calls himself the decision maker and it's all up to him, but he's not. We can tell because he changes his mind after a weekend home with his family business. Also the fact that their freaking company, their little tagline says something about tradition, shows that he is not gonna be wanting you to make a big progressive change to his logo. He's gonna want a conservative change to his logo, a very small change. So you try and just clean up the lines, but you give like, you're gonna see something quirky because it's a little kid's drawing, 
you find that little quirk and somehow as an artist you emphasize that quirk now that ladies and gentlemen is the answer not only to design but to life because when people ask you for something they're asking for what they want most of the time well no i don't know for me most of the time i don't even know what i want i'm asking for what somebody else told me i want because i am embarrassingly extroverted in my decision making and it's very much thinking and logic so i have to have the proper logical right answer that can be proven i have to be able to defend the point for me to stand firm on it if it's just my feelings i'm afraid to share them and i'm also super wishy-washy and really easily talked out of my own desire you know but and it's super super frustrating for life but great as a designer because as a designer i can get out of my own little groove my own little preferences on my design and get into the client's design get into their mode and just give them what they want and the bottom line and here is one of the main lines that went into my class and, and i think it applies to life here's one of the main things that i learned when you're making a logo for a client at the end of the day if the client is happy you won you can still put their check in your bank account even if you don't put their logo in your portfolio do you understand what i'm communicating ladies and gentlemen when you're working for somebody else it's no not about you you're in a service mode as a designer you're in a service mode And it's not about your design and your skills and your preferences and what you think and the trends. It's about the client, 1,000%. All that matters is the client because at the end of the day, the client, not some international certification guild, not some software company selling the products that says use this cool new feature, not some curriculum saying here's our determination of what you need to know there's a client that's going to ask you for something and they're going to explain it the best they can but they're not a designer they're not an artist and they don't understand all this stuff they also have a lot of stuff that, about themselves that they don't understand and when you learn that and it's all the stuff covered in the orientation in my class when i was a teacher i think in churches in organizations and in institutions we need to have orientation that talks about I think if you just covered Jungian, basic Jungian personality psychology, Myers-Briggs stuff, it would be enough to get started. But there's more. And I think to be a good teacher, the focus is on the kid. The business, maybe, if you make... If you make educational content, then your customer is the teacher. It's so weird. Actually, your customer is not even the teacher. Your customer is like the, the purchaser. But sometimes that's the teacher. Sometimes it's an admin. Sometimes it's a district person who just worries about money. Like, So here's what you do. You make the product the best for the end user. And they'll find it. 
and the people that whatever stupid purchasing thing is in the way, they'll find a way to get the money. Whatever stupid um, political, you know, po- po- I want to say like policy. <laughs> what is it when there's policies? It has to do with policies. Uh, I can't think of the word. But there's something um, organizationally, structurally in the way. They'll find a way to adjust it. You know how many rules got changed to make my curriculum work? Or just rules got ignored because they just sat and talked to me and go, okay, you understand why we made this rule for all the other people, right? I say, yeah. And they go, okay, well, just make sure you never do any of that dumb stuff. I go, yeah, of course. Okay, break the rule, but don't tell anyone you are. Don't tell you we're letting you do it. If you know how many times I had that kind of conversation with district people. And I think the answer is always the same. A decent orientation. Understand that people are different. Understand that one size never fits all. Build something custom and curated. Walmart doesn't have the best products, but they always have the product you need. They always have a product you need. They almost never have the product you want. Don't make your curriculum like Walmart. Make your curriculum like Apple. That's for teachers. If you're a pastor, don't make your freaking church like Saddleback. Don't make your church like Hillsong. Don't make your church like the way grandpa did it. Make your church like the early church that didn't have a Bible. And they didn't have all their hang-ups and all their doctrines and all their well-established rules and all their ways of determining who was in and out. They figured it out together by cooperating and bouncing it around. And they shared each other's strengths. And when, I mean, that's the trick. We need this everywhere. And I'm just so sick of the fact that like everyone's trying to force their own shit down everyone else's throat and I do it too but when we do that we miss out on like all that that other person has to contribute and in all the light they shine on our blind spot and I'm sick of people telling me don't look in your blind spot or don't pay attention to that or where sometimes people are just not paying attention to me and I feel like I have to get them to understand me. Like I failed if they don't understand me. You know what I'm learning? Sometimes people don't listen to me because they're just so focused on getting their own answer, they don't give a crap about the truth. And sometimes I am so focused on getting an answer that I don't listen to anyone else. And it doesn't matter that they're telling the truth. I'm just so focused on my stupid thing. And all of us do it. And together, we balance it out. And it's so hard, though, to get a lot of things done. we got to work together, and we need to be unified. But unity is not conformity. Unity is diversity. You can't have unity without diversity. All right, I'm rambling now, I'm preaching. So 20 minutes, that's more than you guys should have to put up with at any given time. To any students, former students from church or school, man, I miss you guys, I really love you. Peace, everybody.